Bobby and I are super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. I love the look and comfort of my new Oakley glasses. The lenses are like nothing I've ever experienced with their prism lens technology. These lenses protect my sun-sensitive blue eyes, but somehow also make colors even more vibrant and details even more clear. And let me tell you, Oakleys, they are popular in my household as both my sons argue over who gets to borrow my glasses. They both play outdoor sports and they know Oakley is the best for training. Plus, I think they want to look a little bit like Lamar Jackson, who is also sponsored by Oakley. Now, my personal favorite pair is from the HSTN collection. I've literally been wearing mine every day since I got them. So let me tell you what you should do. Head on over to oakley.com right now and get yourself a pair of glasses that will change your look for the better. But don't just trust me. Try them for yourself. Go to oakley.com for more information today. It is that time again, mailbag time for the month of June, released just a little bit into the month of July here. It is Thursday, July 6th. We're glad you're with us. Happy July 4th week. I'm Bobby Trossett, Sarah Ellison alongside as well. And um, we got a lot of questions to go through just a few weeks out from training camp, Sarah. You would have thought that being that we're in the dead of offseason, it's a dark week for the most part in the in the NFL world, you know, as everybody gears up for, you know, the long, grueling season that we wouldn't have a lot to cover. But but uh, I think, you know, when, when you when you took to Twitter, I took to, to my outlets. I think, no, there is quite a few things that we got to get into. So you ready to roll? Yeah, let's jump right in. All right. The first one comes in courtesy of, and again, we always prioritize our patrons who sign up for our Q&A mailbag level tier. It's a great way to support what we're building here in Baltimore through the vault. You can check out what we're offering by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast. And the first one comes in through Brian Spar, a returning patron. Uh, I continue to find Sarah and you very informative and entertaining his question. What is Josh Bynes doing? Is he hoping a team has injuries or problems at inside linebacker and signs him? I have expected him to retire and become a Ravens coaching intern. Sarah, I would, I think he's a great candidate for, somebody who's going to be on the staff when his playing days are over. I've looked into this question. I haven't seen anything retirement wise. We know that last year he spent some time on the practice squad towards the end of the season. So perhaps he, I still follow him on social media. He seems like he's getting a lot of family time in. So maybe something's coming at some point soon, but, but nothing's official yet. He's sure, surely one thing that you cannot you know, question whatsoever is how reliable he he's been for the Ravens over the last couple of years at the linebacker position. But the bottom line is they've shored up that position. They have the best off ball linebacker in the league, the highest paid off ball linebacker in the league and Roquan Smith and a pretty decent sidekick as well. in Patrick queen. Yeah. He's 33 years old now. Um, <clears throat> I feel like in the past he's uh, there's been times where he signed like in the middle of the season uh, I'm pretty sure the Ravens picked him up that one time when he like saved the day. I can't remember how many years ago that was with injuries and he kind of came in and saved the day. So um, I don't expect I, I, he's officially still listed as a free agent, not officially retired. I just don't expect the Ravens to pick him up. I think they're pretty, pretty solid all the way through the depth chart at, at linebacker. 
Uh, all right, you just never know with a guy like this. He's got so much pride. He's always going to be available, you think. But yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. Well, I mean, he's lost his step. What, what he can do is he brings knowledge and he can help put people in the right place. And the Ravens have that with Roquan and actually Patrick Queen going into his fifth year. Um, doesn't need as much of that support, although it never does hurt. But the Ravens have their veteran who knows what, what he's doing with, with Roquan. All right, the next question comes from Joe Bonzel. He's also a patron. He says, what would a contract extension look like for uh, Kevin Zeitler? So that's a great question because we know that Kevin, even though he's not holding out, he went to mandatory practice. He participated, but uh, was it either – it was either Schefter and Rappaport, I can't remember which one, reported that he is indeed looking for a new contract. So that's a good question. Looking at him here, he is entering the final year of his three-year contract. He has been nothing but just reliable and solid at that right guard spot. It feels like the Ravens, it took in, it wasn't until Zeitler came around that the Ravens found a replacement for Marshall Yonda. So this year, his, um, his cap hit looks like it's at 5.2 million. He's getting paid though. Um, his base salary is 1.1. So that's what he's making his cap hits from, you know, the bonus that he got, you know what I should look into actually the, a good thing that would put us in here is when you're at the end of the career, your career, like you are with Zeitler, but still playing well, to me, this is the time where you start, um, giving a bunch of two year deals. And then that way you're kind of leaving it up to the veteran to decide when he wants to retire um, that is exactly what they did with um, with Marshall Yonda. Now, the prices have gone up, but um, I'm looking at Marshall's. He he got paid quite a bit, more than I'd be comfortable paying, paying Kevin Zeitler. Um, yeah, I mean, I would more sign him in that, you know, yeah, three, I guess a three, a three to four maybe million range per year. Um, yeah. I guess maybe you could justify five. Um you know, his last one is average. When he signed with us three years ago, he got an average salary of 7.5. So, um, you know, he's older and therefore, you know, probably less expensive. So, yeah, I mean, maybe around that four or five million a year range. He's certainly he's certainly producing, you know, enough to, to justify that kind of number. No kidding. Yeah, he, he really has stabilized that position. So we'll see. We'll see what happens during training camp if more of this buzz starts. But yeah, Adam Schefter, to answer your question from a second ago, kind of got that started around around the start of minicamp, which he did show up for and he was a participant at. Let's keep moving here. Carl Neff chiming in uh, our next question. Hey, Sarah and Bobby, love what you two are doing. Betting on yourselves to do what you love for the team you love. I feel your energy every episode and I'm a big fan. Appreciate that Carl. Uh, he had a question about J.K. Dobbins and Sarah, you had mentioned that J.K. should be expecting a big paycheck if things go the way you think they will this season. But I'm curious as to how much having the three headed monster of running backs and the way they rotate, how big of a new deal do you imagine they'd give J.K.? Also, what kind of numbers does he need to put up to deserve it? Will the team focus more on J.K. under Munkin? Have fun with the numbers. Keep up the amazing work. 
Thank you. Well, I, I sure JK sure hopes that he's going to be uh, more involved and, and, you know, more focused on under Todd Munkin, because we all learned last year, it really wasn't any news that, that he wanted to be more involved, but we, we all were, uh, were reminded of that after the Bengals lost, but you put together some of the numbers of the running back market. What'd you come up with? Yeah. So uh, this season, I don't think he's, getting much I don't I, I we just we just talked to Jeff Zrebeck with that hasn't been I guess I guess by the time this episode comes out uh we will have already released the Jeff Zrebeck stuff so I guess I can talk about this freely but if if he wanted something this season the way Jeff Zrebeck made it sound is that JK was is a little not feeling right that Gus and Justice Hill are both making more than him so if he wanted something now to me, it would be like, all right, well, we can pay you more than Gus and we can pay you more than Justice, but we're not going to pay you among the top 10 running backs. So to me, based off of the, the way the, the question is posed is if everything went right for him. <clears throat> so if everything went right, he would definitely be rushing more than 1,000 yards, maybe 11, maybe 1,200. You know, I don't know what the rotation will be. But I do know that, again, this is going back to like ideal scenario in 2019 when Lamar rushed for a thousand. And so did, um, uh, oh, why am I forgetting his name? Mark Ingram. And, Mark and, Ingram went yeah, over Mark a thousand. Ingram. Yeah, Mark Ingram went over a thousand. And at that time, Gus Edwards was there and Gus had a good season. And so that is possible if, if, if Dobbins can take on that true Mark Ingram role and still go above a thousand yards, get, I don't know, eight or nine touchdowns, maybe, maybe 10 again, if we're talking about an ideal season. Uh, now, if he does that, then I think that justifies paying him among the top 10 of running backs. I have a hard time seeing him get Kish Christian McCaffrey numbers because Christian isn't quite the traditional running back and creates production in so many different ways. So, McCaffrey is making 16 million a year. Even if things go right, I don't think JK Dobbins can make that, but I do think maybe he could be paid between the third and seven top paid running backs. All those guys are basically in, in $12 million range, 12 million per year. So if everything went right for JK Dobbins, that's how much he would make. I'm not saying the Ravens would sign him to that. In fact, this is, you know, an early thought. Maybe I'll change my mind come this time next year. But to me, with Lamar Jackson, I don't see how you can justify paying $12 million a year to a running back when I feel like so many running backs could have success with Lamar Jackson by their side as a decoy, as somebody who is a threat. So I think he could maybe make $12 million in that ideal season on the market. I just wouldn't advocate that the Ravens pay him that. In terms of, you know, will a team focus more on him under Munkin? I'd love to see what we saw a little bit of him flashes here and there during his rookie year. Uh, and that is in the passing game, whether that be checkdowns, whether that be in the screen game. That's the type of creativity that I'll be looking forward to seeing both with Gus and JK under Munkin's uh, new philosophy. Let's keep moving here. John Gray, we'll, we'll switch over to some tweets that came in as well from, from your call out here. John Gray at call me JG. Uh, what is the narrative? Why is the narrative? I should say with Josh Allen, he needs more weapons versus Lamar. It's he's out of excuses. We, I know we both <laughs> immediately flagged this when we were going through the ones that we wanted to cover. And uh, look, there's so many different angles to take on, on these types of narratives, because I like to go right to the, 
like the crux of it. Where does this come from? Well, typically it's from a national media outlet that the narrative sometimes seems juicier than it really is. And the next thing you know, all these outlets start to react to that national narrative and it becomes this overblown narrative. Now, perhaps this is, maybe this isn't overblown. Maybe this is factual in the sense that, yeah, for whatever reason, this is something that's unfair to Lamar. I go back and forth on it. I never like to, to get too, you know, bought in and invested to narratives, but we know that Lamar is one of the most unfairly critiqued athletes in, in the NFL, you know, right or wrong. That's, that's, that's how it's been throughout his five plus years now in the league as he gears up for year six. And with Josh, I go back to, um, he, he, these prototypical quarterbacks, Sarah, that, that play the game, even though he does both on the ground and, and through the air really well, like, like Lamar, not to Lamar's level, but he's very effective at both. Uh, they, they, they're looked at as darlings, the pocket quarterbacks, you know, and Lamar is different. He's unusual. He's unique. We've talked about this so many times. And so for whatever reason, there becomes this new set of parameters, this, these new, you know, guidelines that, that Lamar must abide by versus what, the, you know, the darling Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you know, old school, prototypical in the pocket quarterback has to live through. Do, do you feel the same way there? Uh, I, I mean, I guess a little bit. I mean, I do agree that Lamar has been criticized in different ways because he's not the, you know, traditional NFL drop back quarterback. Uh, but in this case, in, in the question that's being posed here, I actually understand this narrative a little bit. And not that I think that you never know what's going to happen to a season. Like if, if OBJ and Rashad Bateman get injured again, then people are going to say that. Like, people are going to say, well, that's kind of a big deal. You know, you're left with Zay Flowers, a rookie who could break out, and you're left with Nelson Aguilar, who hasn't caught on anywhere. So could there still be an excuse if Lamar doesn't perform? Sure. Um, they got him a new – but but I think that the reason why this narrative has begun – is because of how much the Ravens have done for Lamar this offseason. Um, they made him the highest-paid quarterback. They got him a new offensive coordinator, of an offensive coordinator where Lamar himself is saying, I love where this is going. He's giving me the keys. Lamar has said that twice now. He's giving me the keys. They got the wide receiver that Lamar asked for. He said OBJ and, and DeAndre Hopkins. They got one of the two. And then they drafted another first-round wide receiver. There's not much more the Ravens could have given him, right? So if there are no injuries, yeah, they gave him a lot of stuff. Then you go over now last year, the last several years, we've all been saying, including the national media, that Lamar needs more weapons ever since 2019. We've, we've been saying, yes, he has a tight end, but outside of that, he has probably the worst wide receiver core or one of the worst in the NFL, and so that's where that narrative's coming from. Meanwhile, Josh Allen, you know, I'm looking at their their roster, and obviously he has Stephon Diggs. Okay, that's a sweet wide receiver, but just like, but he really doesn't have a phenomenal tight end. I'm looking at here, um, Stephon Diggs. He he definitely led the receiving core, right? He had almost had 1,500 yards last year. But then there was a big drop-off to Gabriel Davis to 846, and this is for a pass-first offense. Then it goes down to there. Their, their highest tight end put up 517 yards. That's not anywhere close to a Mark Andrews level. Then there's you know Isaiah McKenzie, Devin Singleton, 
uh, or Singletary. They added this offseason Cole Beasley. Um, so I don't think outside of Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen does have a lot of weapons. So, so to me, this is actually one of the few narratives that actually makes sense. There's some narratives that I'm like, this makes no sense out of, I mean, it's just where are people coming up with this? This one makes a little bit more sense to me. However, I would just say if there's like a run of injuries, then yeah, people can point that out for Lamar. For whatever reason, there continues to be this media obsession with the Justin Herberts, the Josh Allens, and and don't get me wrong, like these guys are great, talented quarterbacks, but I think they become darlings because you fall in love with the way they look the part, the way they play the position, the way they stay in the pocket. And Lamar has always push those boundaries right and that's what makes him special we'll see if both if both types of quarterbacks can get to the mountaintop we'll see captain defense is up next of course a loyal supporter of ours uh, appreciate you at decapped on twitter and he wants to know who's going to be the ravens third cornerback and i think this is a great question i don't know if i feel confident about this answer yet being that we're still a month away from training camp but Something tells me that he's not currently on the roster right now. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I know that when we talked with Jeff, he mentioned a name like Kyle Fuller. I think the Ravens were pretty high on him from a depth standpoint last year before he tore his ACL, unfortunately, in week one on that MetLife Stadium turf that they finally went artificial, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this offseason. It was against the Jets that game. Uh, look, you know, obviously you, you hope for the best for for young guys like Pepe Williams and Jalen Armour Davis and, and a vet in, in Kevon Seymour. Um, and, and we know Brandon Stevens has shown versatility between safety and corner and I'm just not ready to to, to buy into a rookie in, in Caillou Blue Kelly even though a Stanford kid they've never drafted a kid out of Stanford he's extremely smart he's insightful um, and, and seems to be well studied and he spent a ton of time in college like he had a lot of reps and experience at Stanford so perhaps that helps him you know in fighting for for playing time early uh, but I would not be surprised if it's a name that's not yet on this roster, at least at the time of this taping before camp. The Vault is sponsored by Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. And I know for me, I've been rocking the prism black polarized lenses this summer, and I'm loving them so far. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run? Do you golf? Maybe you train, or perhaps you just want to look like Lamar Action Jackson. If any of the above is true, you got to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self. Really, it's an expression of your personality. There's more than meets the eye. And here on The Vault, we're all about look good, feel good, perform good. And that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. And hey, since it's officially summer, you may want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. So go visit oakley.com to find yourself a pair today. Oakley offers prism lens technology, which is a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, Get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye, but don't just trust Sarah and I. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can confidently say that Oakley's not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. So head on over to oakley.com 
for more information today. Yeah, I agree with that. I think one thing that made it difficult to know is uh, Pepe Williams and Jalen Armour Davis were both banged up during, you know, OTAs and mandatory minicamp. And, you know, there's only so much you can learn from that anyway because of, you know, they're not in pads or anything like that. So, so the name that started to emerge uh, that is on the roster is Ardarius Washington. People talking about putting him in that nickel role. Um, I also think that the Ravens missed out by not being able to get Adrian Amos. Remember, he there was all this talk that he had two visits with the Ravens, and he ended up signing with the Jets. And I say that only because Kyle Hamilton played a lot of nickel. He played a lot of nickel last year. And so that would have given some flexibility there that maybe you wouldn't have to use like a traditional cornerback, like to have the three. So, it, you know, it doesn't like make me excited when everybody's like, oh, it was Ardarius Washington that, that, that kind of stood out. And maybe I wasn't there. Maybe he all of a sudden turned it on from the last couple of years that he's been there. Uh, so that's why I'm with you. I have a feeling that it's somebody who's not on the roster yet. Uh, all right. Uh, Dylan. He asks, who do you think is most likely to win the left guard role on offense? And what does Gino's role look like this year? So um, sounds to me that, you know, obviously uh, it sounds like John Simpson seems to be in the lead uh, with that. He's the, the veteran that the Ravens signed who was with the Raiders last year. He's got some starting experience, but obviously uh, Sala Amuvai Laulu is definitely in the mix. He got some time with the ones. John Harbaugh said that he looked good with the ones. So uh, we'll see once the pads come on. Obviously, Ben Cleveland is in that mix, but it sounds like he's further down uh, the pecking order, which is, you know, it, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. This is year three. He was a third-round pick. He came in with a lot of fanfare. He had me excited. Um, so, um, so yeah. So uh, here's who I, I hope, actually – I hope Sala wins it, um, not because I like him better than John Simpson or anything like that, but to me, it would just be an awesome thing for the Ravens if a six-round rookie comes in and blew away the competition that you had there from a third-rounder who had been there for three years and to a veteran with John Simpson, and then all of a sudden you've got a rookie, a, a cheap rookie for four years. It seems like the Ravens – rookies at left guard they've been coming on strong towards the end of their rookie contract like their fourth year like with powers um well we were hoping it would happen with cleveland in the third year and then you lose them again and you got to start all over again so it would be the best news if Sala could win it so that you could have four years of a cheap rookie on a on a deal there at left guard but i'm not ready to say that he's going to win it. it sounds like john simpson is still the leader yeah uh, i think that's a safe bet that that works for me and it seems like anything is possible with the way that Ben Powers emerged this time last year. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. So that shows you that there is some wiggle room here and there could be a pretty heated uh, positional battle coming up uh, in a month during training camps. So that'll certainly be something to watch. As far as Geno Stone's concerned, uh, you know, depth provides some solid depth at, at safety. Obviously in the last couple of years, he's provided them, um, you know, he's, he's, he's really kind of gotten them out of some sticky situations in the injury, you know, from, from an injuries standpoint. So he'll continue to do that from a depth um, sense and also, you know, can contribute to special teams. Let's keep things moving here. VA dimes at 11, 12 passion on Twitter, which young defensive player has the highest ceiling Kyle Hamilton, David Ajabo, 
or Adafi Owe? And I like this question because I think you could go in a number of different directions. I'm going to go with the guy who's hot right now, you know, and who's hot right now. We've all been talking about David Ajabo. This is essentially his rookie season, having missed the majority of last year coming off the torn Achilles. What we saw of him at Michigan is that he's explosive. He is a game changer. He's quick off the edge. He's powerful. I mean, this guy is Chuck Smith, who's the, the new Ravens guru pass special uh, pass rush specialist so much so that they call him dr rush as we've covered he has been adamant during his media sessions that this guy looks the part and he's everything that that he was supposed to be now again this is without pads this was without a training camp under his belt this is without a full off season under his belt coming off of um, you know last year's rehab so i want to be cautiously optimistic here but at the same time, I don't because this guy was supposed to be a top 15 pick a year ago. Yeah, so I I can't disagree with that. Um, I Because I haven't seen David Ojabo, we haven't seen him in really over a year. I mean, we saw him a little bit at the end of last season. He got that great sack uh, against the Bengals, uh, much needed late in the game. Uh, but because I haven't seen him this year, I personally can't be like, okay, it's for sure David Ajabo. So I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton. Um, Kyle Hamilton is uh, – here's what I like that gives me a lot of excitement about Kyle Hamilton is um, how much he grew so quickly, how much he learned from his mistakes. So if you uh, – Jeff Zriebeck did a Q&A with Kyle Hamilton, and they kind of got into that Miami Dolphins game, which was just – Brutal, such a brutal loss. The Ravens had such, yeah. a, I think, a 21-point lead or something like that in the fourth quarter. And then the defense just kept breaking down. And in that Q&A, uh, Kyle Hamilton was like, people still make fun of me for having two, two MAs, so two missed assignments. Um, yeah. And I remember him struggling in that training camp uh, practice open to the, uh, the media at, at the stadium. Uh, so he was struggling. And then... Within a couple games, he just kept getting better. And remember, he was playing that nickel role, which, you know, he wasn't, he played a little bit of, but it wasn't like, it's not a strong suit. He's a safety, you know? And um, so to see so much growth from him, whereas take, for example, Odafe Owe, we've, this is going into his third year now. He has not had the same skyrocketing growth that I saw from Kyle Hamilton. Uh, now, granted, Kyle Hamilton was a number 14 pick. Rafael Owe was, I think, in the 30s. I think he was 31. So, you know, there's a big difference between number 31 and number 14. And then some people – and we were even surprised that Kyle Hamilton was there at 14. He also was projected to be a top 10 pick. So, uh, so yeah, I think just because of the growth I've already seen from Kyle Hamilton, just skyrocketing from, holy cow, rookie moment to becoming yeah. a – Big impact on the defense. And then this year he's going to be starting all 17 games unless he's injured. I'm sure, uh, you know, um, David Ajaba will be in some sort of rotation unless he takes off the same way Kyle Hamilton does. But because I've seen it with my eyes and I haven't seen it with Ojabo, I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton. Sure. All right. Next question is from Holly. Which rookie do you think will have the most immediate impact this season? So just as a reminder, let's go. Remember, this is not a very big rookie class. Obviously, we all know Zay Flowers was number one. There was no second-round pick. So we got to go to the third round, Trenton Simpson. 
who looks like a beast, but uh, yeah. he is <laughs> not going to have, as long as Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith are healthy, um, he's just not going to have the opportunity to have, I mean, special teams, maybe he'll get on, on some rotations. I know he can, he's good at rushing the pass. He's pretty good at coverage. So maybe they find a way, maybe they find a role for him. If he pushes his way in, maybe they'll find a role for him on the defense, but he just isn't going to have the same opportunity to various Robinson, the defensive end. He could have some opportunity if he, if he, you know, balls out. I just haven't heard his name much. Uh, the last couple of weeks, Caillou blue Kelly. I, I don't, I'm not really seeing Sala. If Sala were to win the left the left guard role, which I don't know will happen, but if he were to win it, then I would pick him because if you win it, you're playing 100% of snaps. 100%. Yeah. So I just don't know if he's going to win it. Then there's Andrew Voorhees, who is a, taking a redshirt year, essentially going to be rehabbing, and then the Ravens don't expect him to come alive until – um, next year. So to me, it's going to be between Sala and Zay Flowers because, again, this has the same thing I said with with uh, Ojabo. I haven't seen it. Um, I don't know if Sala is going to win the left guard spot. So because of that, I think the default goes to Zay Flowers because I know he's going to get in the rotation. Um, and so he'll have a chance to, to have an impact even with how, how crowded the wide receiver room is now. So I'm going to go with Zay and then obviously Salah can come in last minute if he wins the job. Yeah, yeah. Zay's, Zay's the shoe-in, obviously. If Salah gets the job, to your point, he's going to be working every single snap, whereas Zay's going to be having to kind of you know share the load with what we know has been a revamped wide receiver room. So any other prediction would just be disingenuous because then you'd essentially be saying there's going to be some sort of injury at, at cornerback or, you know, right. um, in the outside linebacker room, things of that nature. So I'm not going to go down that, you know, road at all let's keep moving here Kadri, our guy q super bowl champ friend of the show the baltimore media member analyst you name it my golf partner where are you at q trolling sarah i think uh you know from from a past episode if you guys remember i want to say it was the schedule release night if i'm not mistaken but anyway He's a big Charlie Kohler guy, as we learned a couple months back. And he would like to know, how do you think the second year tight end out of Iowa State will do in training camp? And remember, Charlie is a big body guy, uh, huge, huge catch radius. Missed pretty much all of last year to the aftermath of a sports hernia surgery that he had to go through. I believe it was right around the start or during training camp. So we don't have a, a ton on him. But again, he's a he's a big body that is mobile, that's a, a reliable pass catcher. And you never know, Q. Who knows if they go 11 personnel like Orlando Brown Jr. seems to think they will all the time. We're not going to see him very often. But for your sake, Q, I hope they uh, they have more than one tight end on the field so we can get a full analysis of this guy. And that Sarah and you can finally have your final hoorah on this conversation. I literally do not remember the bet we settled on. I can't remember what we said. We, we had a yardage and touchdowns bet. So we'll go back to that episode and figure it out. I, I can't. Remember. Oh, I remember. I remember his side. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I don't remember the, I, I remember what he has to do. I don't remember the numbers attached to what Charlie has to, you know, accomplish this year or whatever, but, but let's say he doesn't get to where, you know, you guys agreed on uh, and meaning, meaning you win the bet. Kadri has to get in a, uh, did I say a pink suit? through through one of my tailors in town i think that i do some work with i think that was it and he has to play 18 holes in a full suit or tuxedo so we will revisit that we have the tape we have the receipts we'll get to that in just a bit sticking with people this is not a troll job this is one of our guys right here cole jackson of course from ravens twitter wants to know why is offensive line the most important position in football and i think we all know the reason why he's asking don't we (laughs) We do. Cole Jackson's the offensive line guru. He likes to do all the uh, the uh, film study on that. It takes you got to train yourself over years to look at a tape and be and and be able to grade these guys up front. So of course, on Twitter, I replied to Cole. I said, Cole, you're clearly the most qualified guy to answer this. So why don't you give me an answer and I will read it on air. So here's what he says, and I actually think it's pretty insightful. He says the offensive line is the heartbeat of your team. I'd want to say the heartbeat of your offense, but maybe it's the team. Okay. (laughs) The offensive line is the heartbeat of your team. You have to rely on elite talent at both QB and wide receiver to overcome a poor offensive line. However, achieving that elite talent is rare. A top offensive line can power a good defense without elite skill positions and then he puts a parenthesis similar to 2019 Ravens and their run blocking. And he followed up. He's like, wait a minute. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is through the roof, but the skill positions at wide receiver were certainly nothing to write home about. And uh, <clears throat> Mark Ingram was good, but he also was was a little bit older in age and he's still at a thousand yards. I, I agree. I mean, wide receiver is definitely a dependent position. You have to depend both on the offensive line and you got to depend on the quarterback. Quarterback is a little bit of a um, dependent position because you have to rely on the offensive line. And so, yeah, if you have like an average quarterback or average, average skill players, an offensive line can open up holes for them. They can run through it. They can get open, all that kind of stuff. And so, but if you have a terrible offensive line, like if Lamar has a terrible offensive line, there's only so much he can do. So uh, I like that heartbeat of the offense. Yeah. Love it, Cole. Appreciate you as always. And and we got to follow up with him too, because we've been talking about, you know, for a while now when we're going to have him on. So let's do that either at some point pre-training camp, during training camp, or just, you know, generally speaking before the start of the season, because we always love having him on and, um, you know, we always appreciate his time. This is not necessarily a question, but a suggestion. So I'll run through it real quick before we get to, um, our, our next tweet submission uh, comes in from DD. This was uh, via email. Again, Baltimore Ravens vault at gmail.com is when is where you can reach us. And essentially what, what DD is suggesting is that we do a state of the division series or episode before the, the start of the 2023 season. You and I both kind of talked about this quickly. And, we're, and of course he's talking about the AFC North. I think it's a great idea. We'll, we'll definitely effort, you know, some ideas there for um, a different guests that we can have on because, you know, Sarah and I are obviously entrenched in in everything that, you know, encompasses the Ravens, which is a full-time job in itself for both of us. So we we are definitely going to have some plans in the works to make sure that you can understand as much of uh, what's at stake in the division and what the Ravens are going to be going up against, you know, twice a season in terms of, you know, the, their divisional opponents coming up this year. 
Next question comes in through Bic Flair at Krypton's Saving on Twitter. If each of you could poach one player from any AFC North team to add to the Ravens, but you had to cut one player in Baltimore, who would it be? I took a quick look at this before we went on, and to me, this is easy. I love Trey Hendrickson's game for the Cincinnati Bengals. He is their defensive end. He is a game wrecker. He has given the Ravens fits over the years. And so I'm taking Trey Hendrickson. And unfortunately, even though he's been on a great tear and somebody who the Ravens have really built up and developed, I'm going to have to cut. And I assume that he, he means, and he didn't specify this, so maybe I'm just jump into conclusions, but I assume you had to cut a starter in order to bring this guy in. So if that's the case, I'm going to have to part ways with, with Broderick Washington. What do you got, Sarah? Um, was Hendrickson the one that returned the touchdown that was fumbled by Tyler Huntley and basically was turned, that, turned the game around? Was that right, Hendrickson? You, look, you you look it up while I um, while I give my guy. Yeah, my guy yeah. Is, is, I love Hendrickson. My guy is TJ Watt. Give me TJ yeah. Watt all day long. The the Steelers don't have a quarterback really to write home about. They've got, you know, Pickens and, you know, maybe he, he you know, is better this year or whatever, but he's not like he's like a top 15 quarterback. Um, and so it's hard to win with that. But when TJ Watt is on the field, the Steelers win. When TJ Watt's on the field, the offensive coordinators are staying up late at night. When TJ Watt is out, the, out on the field, I have a feeling that they're doing what Tom Brady did with Ed Reed, which is find number 20 on every play. You got to go and find where TJ Watt is. And do you have, do you bring over an extra blocker? You bring in over a tight end or you bring in a running back to come over there and help, um, you know, the right tackle or the left tackle get him away from your quarterback. I mean, this guy, just just like you said with Hendrickson, is a game changer. He's brutal. So I would take him. And to me, it's easy. Again, I'm also assuming he's not saying that you can cut any Joe Schmo, like the sixth guy on your depth chart. Uh, so I'm cutting Odafe Owe for him. Yeah. Uh, another one of the their defensive ends, by the way, is is Sam Hubbard. And he's the one who returned it 98 yards ah. to the house and broke okay. the hearts of everybody in Baltimore after Tyler Huntley's decision to try and break the plane. The so, top. yeah. Also wasn't the Let's, best play call, but yes. It, it wasn't. You're right. I remember, I remember going back and forth with you on that a few months back, but uh, let's keep moving here. Gavin Stutler at G Stutler on Twitter. Uh, how effective do you think that Mark Andrews will be this season with all the new wide receiver additions? P.S. He's, he's only over uh, just over 1,400 yards away from becoming the Ravens all-time receiving leader, which is kind of depressing, but it also speaks to how productive he's been in such a short amount of time. Uh, we've, we've talked about this in, in recent week Sarah Mark is I, I don't he, he's a mainstay you know and he's a staple of this offense I don't see him going anywhere will his numbers be affected uh, affected decreased perhaps a little bit tweaked whatever you want to name whatever you want to call it because of the revamped wide receivers and and how much depth they have at, at tight end maybe but I still think he's going to be the go-to across the middle I still think he's going to be the go-to when they need seven when they need eight like we mentioned we think Odell is going to be that kind of guy as well uh, when the game's on the line or when you're trying to close out a game to, so so, you know, to sit here and think that, you know, he's not going to be effective anymore. I'm not saying Gavin's getting at that, uh, but but that's not going to be the case whatsoever. You know, they're not going to they're not just going to forget about JK. They're not just going to forget about Mark. There's going to like there's only, uh, you know, one mouth to feed. There's only so many mouths to feed. Um, 
as as Todd Munkin has talked about throughout this process. But uh, these guys, you know, you, you can't get away from what you do best, I guess is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, according to Kadri, it's not going to be the wide receivers that takes, you know, Mark Andrews' role. It's going to be Charlie Kolar. So, <clears throat> no, I agree with you. So just to kind of review the last couple of years. So last year he had 847 yards and five touchdowns, five receiving touchdowns. Now it was 2021 where he went off. He had almost 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns. I in no way see him repeating that, but I don't see how anybody could could repeat that. Um, and then 2019 year when it was both him and Hayden Hurst there, uh, he had 852 yards. So, uh, yeah, I just think that the comfort there, I mean, even when we saw videos from coming out from mandatory minicamp, we still kept seeing highlights of him finding Mark Andrews all over the place. I just don't think that's going away. <coughs> I think he could very much repeat what he did last year. 850 yeah. yards and five touchdowns. I, I definitely think he can still do that. Who knows, too, if anything, with all the, you know, the, the, the new playmakers around him, he may have a career year. You just never know. Right. So we'll have to see. This will be like the first time in pretty much forever that not just double teams, but he have triple teams and and Lamar is still thrown it to him. And so it's like if you got OBJ, a healthy OBJ, a healthy. I mean, he's going to actually be going one on one sometimes that could make it to where maybe he doesn't have as many catches, but he can be way more effective and get back to like 16 yards per catch instead of like eight or, or 10, yep. you know? So pick your poison. Uh, Bobby, I, I had to throw this last question in there just to have fun. Um, I think it's crazy. I mean, just a couple months ago, our mailbags were literally only about Lamar Jackson. It was like, can we find one other question? That's not Lamar Jackson. I don't think we had any Lamar Jackson questions today and we had a ton of questions. We didn't even get all of, to all of them. And I think all the ones that we left off, we didn't get to, but this one was just having one fun from Mark Esposito who wrote the fire Greg Roman notes. I have no idea, but I got to tell you, Tyus Bowser just conveniently there, you know, conveniently there to, to like, uh, <laughs> to tweet it to Instagram story. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd think he'd be like the last guy who did it because he's the one who videoed it and put it put it up. But it's kind of like, a, you know, you smelt it, you dealt it kind of a thing. <laughs> so. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's so funny because if you were to pick a guy who and if you know Tyus at all and you've had a chance to talk to him. Yeah, you know that he is he is so team friendly. He's willing to do anything you need, media obligations. He's a PR guy's best friend. He's soft spoken. He's kind. So clearly wrong, you know, right time, wrong person or whatever, you, you know, wrong place at the wrong time type of thing for Tyus. I do think that one, we should fish around for this over the, the next you know, few couple months we have before the season begins, because as we've started to, to learn, guys are becoming more comfortable. They're coming out of the woodwork to talk about this. I know Orlando Brown is, is most recently we shared a soundbite from him and he's no longer with the team. So that might be easier for him to speak on it than it would be somebody that's still in Baltimore. But I am so curious about this. I do think that it, I, I would be willing to, to bet that it was a player. I don't oh, think it was somebody like... I yeah. was going to say, do you think it was like a player? I was going to say, I don't think it is. You don't think it is. For, uh -oh. for some reason, I, I think that uh, you, you have to be. I was going to I was going to say you, you don't get that frustrated, you know, to go ahead and write something like that if you're not, you know, actually. Well, 
organizations are such tight. Everybody's in it. It's, it's their livelihoods, right? So it could, for all I know, it could be somebody in the personnel department. It could be player development. I mean, it could be, it could be anybody. Um, it could be marketing. It could be the lunchroom. It could be a FedEx guy. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, what, what am I saying? Why, why do I think it's a player? I don't know. I mean, I just feel like it was found in that outside four, right? So like in order to get there, you, I guess you could be somebody that's dropping off a package, right? Like it's not, it's not actually like in, into the building past the access, past the front doors. So I guess that kind of leaves it up to interpretation. I don't know. I, I don't know. I threw this in as a joke, but it sounds like you want to like for real dig into it and talk to talk to guys. I'm, I'm ready to move on from it. I was just putting it in as a joke to end on a lot la like a laughing note. <laughs> I got my investigative reporting hat on. I want to get to the bottom of this. You do you, bro. I like it. <laughs> that is hilarious. You, you throw it in as like a final, like, you know, let's send these guys off. It's vacation week. You know, let's have fun with it. I'm over here like deep diving. You know, I got my like specs on. Oh, goodness gracious. Maybe one day, maybe one day it'll just pop up and, and right into our laps, you know? So anyway, we always enjoy these mailbags because, you know, it's, it's a way for us to, you know, kind of show our appreciation to you guys that listen to us every single day that make us, you know, that you, you know, you, you make us your, your number one habit and your destination, either in the morning, working out grocery stores, walking, running, you, you name it. And we just appreciate you guys. So, you know, as always, if you want to become more involved with what we're doing, like I mentioned at the top, uh, you can check out what we're offering on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast, whether or not you are an owner of a small business in Baltimore or outside of Baltimore, or you want to have a monthly shout out to hear your name as a way of just, um, you know, kind of giving you an extra incentive to listen every single day, or you want to have a submission monthly that is guaranteed to be read and analyzed in our monthly mailbags. All those have different level tiers in Patreon. We, we think it's a great way to, to get more involved in what we do and we appreciate you. So anything else before we jump? I don't think so. I hope everybody's enjoying their 4th of July week uh, before we ramp back up. So uh, happy 4th of July to everybody. Yeah, and we'd love some feedback too. You may have noticed in, in the last week or so that we've been experimenting with different formatting for, for Morning Vault episodes. We would love to you know, get some feedback from you, whether that's you know hitting us up by email or tweeting at us or whatever, uh, because you know we're just kind of experimenting before the start of the season. Do you like the 15 to 20 minute structured, kind of scripted out format? Or do you like when we go off the cuff? We're going in with a plan. We're not necessarily improvising the entire time, but there's less structure to what we've been doing in the last week or so compared to, you know, traditional morning vault format. So we'd love to get some feedback from you before we make some decisions there final wise. And, um, you know, we will talk to you soon. So as always, appreciate the support. I'm Bobby Trossett, Sarah Ellison's here as well. And, and we, you know, you guys are the best. Thanks so much for dropping us inside the vault.